Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Matthew 4, 19. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Bible, and then I'm also going to read it out of the New Living. And again, we've been kind of going in between the, the book of Acts and back and forth. We're going to kind of do that again today. We're going to go back and forth uh, a little bit today. But I wanted to pull out some of these words of Jesus, especially when these early disciples that were now apostles, Jesus has ascended to heaven, and it was the, probably the big question, now what, right? How is, what are we supposed to do? We've heard all of these things the last few years. What are we supposed to do? So we go back to Jesus calling out um, the fishermen, and he says this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We've probably all read that many times before. The New Living says it this way. Jesus called out to them and said, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I will show you how to fish for people. Two weeks ago, we looked at John 21. And I looked at the part where it really looks like those disciples were discouraged, and they decided to go out fishing again. Jesus calls to them, has breakfast by the sea. And at the end of John 21, Jesus talks a little bit about Peter, what he's going to experience in his death. And he didn't like just hearing it about him. He wanted to know what was going to happen to John. In fact, that's what he says. Well, what's going to happen to him? Jesus reminds him, don't worry about him. You follow me. I think that's a good word for us. Don't worry about everybody else. Worry about yourself. Are you following him in your context, in the place that you are, your place of employment, the school that you're going into? Are you following him? Because Jesus hasn't changed in his message. In fact, notice who he chose. Do we have any commercial fishermen here? Interesting, right? You ever watched a fishing show? Maybe you've watched a fish. Okay, we got everybody watched a fishing show. Uh, but think about the fishermen. They worked hard. They were used to catching fish and not catching fish. Anybody ever go fishing you don't catch anything? You really don't want to go back again, do you? You want to catch something. When we grew up, there was a place in Azusa called uh, Happy Jacks. Happy Jacks was a trout fish farm. All you had to do was stick it down in with whatever goop and you pulled out a trout. That was awesome. That's how we were introduced as kids to fishing. And then you got to go fish and wait and wait and wait. Forget, forget all those things. But they were hard workers. They were committed. They were used to facing challenges. They were used to facing storms. They were probably used to some people catching fish, and we didn't catch anything. Or we caught a big amount of fish, and others didn't. But they had no idea what Jesus was going to call them to. And we can't rely on past strength or examples, we have to hear that voice clearly every single day to all of us where Jesus says, follow me, follow me. When most of you were hired by the places that you work, most of, most of you went by a job description, right? You have a job description. Have you ever read some of the newer job descriptions? You read all of what they want. I mean, they want you to have a doctorate and 30 years of international experience for $12 an hour. And you kind of, like, you kind of scratch your head. 
So um, somebody thought it would be fun to write job, allow the person that is in the job write their job description of what they do, and I wanted to read a couple. One of them said this, go to strange people's houses and take their money for pizza. That's right, the pizza delivery guy. Somebody wrote this, read things that don't matter, then write papers saying they do matter for points that don't matter in order to get a job doing something totally unrelated. That was a student, right? Student wrote that down. Somebody wrote this down, manage waste cycling promotion and sales. That's a garage sale person, right? That's a good way to, to twist the word. Or I thought this one was funny. Spend most of your day looking out a window. A pilot. Right? That was like their job description. Well, Jesus calls to all of us to follow him. I like that word that he said to even to Peter at the end. You follow me. And I'm going to teach you how to catch or connect or relate to people. I will teach you how to do it. You know, so when we've been looking in the book of Acts, what's awesome in the book of Acts was they took a small group of believers, the Lord did, and did miraculous things through them, miraculous things. And yet they're trying to figure out along the way how all this is going to worship, but they know who to follow. They know that they're going to follow Jesus. They know that they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They don't exactly what to know to do next, but Peter will get up and preach, or they'll, they'll find a, a lame man that they'll pray for. But step upon step, the Lord was leading and guiding them. In fact, we would say this. They are committed believers. They're committed, right? They've committed everything. And so I read this riddle this week, and it, and it said this. In a bacon, anybody have bacon and eggs this morning? Maybe you got up early and look at, okay, we did. We had bacon and eggs, all right. In a bacon and egg breakfast, what's the difference between the chicken and the pig? The chicken's involved, the pig's committed, right? You don't see a pig missing out just one hind leg, right? Or, well, the bacon's the belly. You don't see that. Chicken's committed, or the chicken's involved, the pig is committed. So when Jesus is calling all of us to follow, he's calling us to be committed believers. And even if, um, if we have kids or youth in here, you know, one of the great things when we look at it, the Bible characters in the Bible, there was something about them that they had no idea what they were going to do when they were just following God. Noah didn't grow up sketching arcs. Son, that's a great, what is that? You know what, Dad, I'm calling it an ark. What do you do with it? One day there's going to be a flood, and I'm going to save just our family. That's not in the Bible, is it? He wasn't prepared in building an ark, but he had to follow when God spoke to him exactly the details of what God said. We read about Abram and Sarah. Abram as 75 years old. They haven't had any of their own kids. Now a promise from God comes that they ain't going to have to leave their family. They're going to go to a land that he will show you as you go. Oh, and by the way, um, you're going to have descendants through Sarah. Is that crazy to think of? But those are things of somebody that followed God. Did they make mistakes? Absolutely. Almost from the get-go they made mistakes, but they kept following God. They kept stopping and making places of worship. We look at Moses 
that by the time he's on the backside of the desert, he's 80 years of age. And then God calls out to him to deliver his people. He can't speak well, right? He doesn't feel like he's articulate enough. But God's going to take somebody and he's going to have to follow him along the way. And I imagine when Moses finally saw Pharaoh and God told him to say, let my people go, that he thought Pharaoh from the beginning was just going to let him go, right? This is God. Did God let him go at the first let him go? No. It was a series of steps, step upon step, that Moses was learning and trusting God. One of our favorites probably is David. As a young boy, though he's watching over the sheep out there, he's also a worshiper. Doesn't matter if he's worshiping and he sees a bear or a lion, he's not going to let the bear or lion take, you know, dad's sheep. Now, you and I, if a bear jumped into our yard, we kind of wonder, uh, I don't know if I'm going to go wrestle with a bear, right? But David did that. When David knew there was a giant chastising the children of Israel and his God, he took that so personal that he picked up. Does anybody know how many stones he picked up? He picked up five. We just needed one. But if you read the end of 2 Samuel, Goliath had brothers. In fact, at the end of 2 Samuel, David's still out there fighting giants. In fact, they pull him away. I always get a picture of these on a walker by then, right? But he sees a giant, and there's no way he's going to find the other four stones. We read about that. David didn't know that that was what he was going to do. He was following after God. I love the difference. We get it confused sometimes. Elisha and Elijah. Elijah comes first. Elisha comes second. Elijah controls climate. Think about that. It won't rain until I say. Oh, thank, to, thank you, Elijah, that it rained this last year on all of us. He controls the climate. He'll take on 450 prophets of Baal and call down fire from heaven. Well, he's done that before. He never did it before. Who's he trusting in and following? He's trusting in God. Then we follow Elisha, who uh, receives the mantle, right, that, that anointing from Elijah, and he does double of what Elijah did. In fact, when he's dead and thrown into the ground, they throw a dead guy on Elisha's bones, and the guy comes back to life. I mean, pretty amazing, but we read these things in the Bible. But they were following God, right? Following the direction of God. Esther in the Bible. You know what's amazing about Esther? Many times we bypass and don't look at Esther's life. God uses Esther to rescue his people through prayer, fasting, and waiting on the Lord. One lady that God uses, right, in the midst of this pressure society there, she's going to wait on the Lord, she's going to pray, she's going to trust God. But I want to look at one other lady, and it's the lady Mary Magdalene. Mary is actually one of the, one of the first ones that gets to see Jesus resurrected, okay? She's not, she's a disciple, she's not an apostle. And one of the things that we read that becomes very familiar is John 20, verses 17 and 18, where she thinks Jesus is the gardener. She wants to know, maybe, have, do you know where my Lord is? And that Jesus says to her, don't cling to me. Why did he say that? Because you know what she did? She wanted to jump and hug him, right? Her Lord is alive. Don't 
cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers. Who's he talking about? All these disciple apostles. Go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary, you go tell them. You go tell them. Well, I always look at that. This is the first preacher of the good news, the gospel, that Jesus is Mary. But do you know what Mary's background is? We read about Mary in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Uh, it gives us a little snapshot into her life. And listen to what it says about Mary in Luke chapter 8, 1 and 2. Now, it came to pass afterward that he, talking about Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, say it with me, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Mary, the first one that when Jesus says, go tell my brothers. Well, what's her background? She was healed of sickness. She had seven demons. You know, you got to be careful. There's a lot of people that will throw different commentaries out there that, well, that area was known as, you know, the prostitution capital back then. We don't, we don't know that for sure. And you know what? If it was, it doesn't matter. Mary's life had been completely changed because of Jesus. Mary was following Jesus. She just so happened to be there at the tomb, not at the tomb thinking that he had resurrected, thinking that she would anoint his body that was dead and had this encounter to go tell the brothers. That's Mary, to go tell. So what type of background do you think you need to follow Jesus? Anything, right? Anybody that's life is repentive, submitted, and wants to follow Jesus. That's the life that he's looking for. So we looked at, we just threw out all these different people that come from different backgrounds that God decides to use at specific times for his plan and his purposes. In fact, that's what the book of Acts is all about. It's about a group of different people, fishermen, a tax collector, others, Mary, all of them taking on what God was going to do in that time. But you know, he took one more. He took a Christian-hating murderer, Paul, well, Saul at the time, who when we read about Saul, every day when his feet hit the ground, it was trying to figure out how to kill Christians and imprison Christians. That was like his mission of the day. Yet God would take a hard-hearted Saul who wanted to destroy this early church and would change his heart on the road to Damascus, that he would become Paul, one of the ones that wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, and he would take this gospel to the heart of the Roman Empire to preach. Right? So a background of somebody that would just say, you know what, they followed God. Think about this early church, too, that when persecution hit, it didn't stop it. Persecution or the pressure of it caused it to grow. Well, we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let me read a couple more scriptures here. And it says um, about these early disciples, they continued 
steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What were the apostles teaching? They were teaching Jesus resurrected alive. They were teaching some of their eyewitness stories that were taking, but the people centered around and they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. And notice what it says, fellowship. There's an important part of coming together, gathering together, and they also mention in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So what bonded that early church? The doctrine of the apostles. The fellowship they had together, breaking bread. Breaking bread back then, again, becomes a symbol to us. We think of communion, but it was also having a meal together. You don't go out to eat with people you don't like, do you? Hey, honey, what are we doing for dinner Tuesday night? Yeah. Hey, let's go out with the uh, so-and-so family. Oh, yeah, let's take them out. We don't like them at all. We, we don't like them. You don't do that. You go out to people, out to eat with people that you can fellowship with, that you relate to, that you want to get to know better. And in prayers. The early church was a praying church. In fact, we read this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, this is the, the um, chief priests, scribes, and those leaders. When they saw the boldness, these men didn't back down from the message of Jesus. They didn't back down when the pressure came on. They didn't shrink into the shadows and it says, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. That's not a good example if somebody comes up to you and say, hey, you know, I know you're bold, and I can sure tell that you're uneducated and untrained. Well, count that is a great example because you're in great company. They knew they hadn't been educated or trained in all of this, but they realized this very one thing. They realized the boldness on them came because they had been with Jesus there was a difference they weren't being Peter and they weren't being John there was a difference about them because they had been with Jesus Peter the denier right wasn't so bold not too many weeks passed he was he was ready to deny him but let me tell you he's bold today because he received power John is bold today standing in the, in the midst of educated and people judging them, they're bold that day. In fact, many of the times when you read in the book of Acts, before they let them go, they beat them up. That'd be like today. Hey, before you go to the potluck next door, there's going to be a couple guys in there. They're going to get a couple good fists in on you as you go. Just smile as you go by, right? It's just part of the persecution thing. Everybody would go out this door right here on the side. They'd been with Jesus. Well, and that's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me close with this. And, and really, the fourth and fifth word in, but you shall receive power, right? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we talked about that last week. It was like, what? How? The ends of the earth, you know, the... End of the earth almost at that time was the Roman Empire. They had kind of gone everywhere. I mean, to think some have never traveled that far. But you'll receive power. Not understanding how that was going to happen, but you know what they came back to? Jesus told me to follow him. In fact, he says it over and over. You follow me. Follow me. Yeah, I don't exactly know where I'm going. 
I want you to follow me. That's part of, right, every day I'm following you. We're all in maybe different places of employment. Like I said earlier, schools, locations, but you know what we all are? We're his followers. We're to listen to him day after day. We can't do it without receiving power, right? You can't do it in your own strength. You have to receive power from him to be his witness, to step out. David grabs those stones and David stands in front of, of a giant. And David is bold for his Lord. Jesus takes it a different step. He wants to make sure that his church has the power from within, right? The power from within. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. Again, in your setting, in my setting, in your family, as a follower of Jesus, would you hear those words so personal today? Follow me. Follow me. Hear those words so personal today. In fact, maybe, uh, maybe in life it seems like everything's good, but maybe just on the inside that you just feel sometimes restless and you don't know. The thing to do is follow Jesus. Follow him. You follow me, he tells Peter. Follow me. You're here today and you never made Jesus the Lord of your life. We want to invite you to do that today. Or if you've been running in a different, complete direction from him, and this is a day to come back and to follow him, I want to invite you and, and lead you in an opportunity to do that. And I, I'd like everyone to say this prayer with me this morning. Say this after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I open up the door of my heart and I choose to make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, stand to me if you would, with you, if you would and we're going to close with this song. If you asked Jesus into your heart for the very first time, or maybe today was a day of coming back, we would sure love to pray with you at the end of the service. And I pray that uh, as we go in a little bit, that you would just remember and make it personal today that you're going to follow him, right? Look at somebody and say, you follow him.